chew more, dissect things more, be more critical, and then make sure that as we formulate our lives, set goals that are relevant to us, that will make us happy, that will contribute to a positive society, and that really personally meaningful. Welcome to the Happy Nurse Podcast. Nurses are the backbone of healthcare, always there to care for strangers as if they were one of their own, often forsaking special moments with their own family in order to ensure another's loved one is being cared for. As nurses, self-care is essential. I am Elena Mullery, nurse educator and self-care mentor for nurses. I'm an RN with 20 years of clinical experience. I have first-hand experience of stress and burnout. It was this experience which led me to develop a passion for personal development and pursue the study of mindfulness, meditation, hypnotherapy and neuro-linguistic programming. Each episode, I will be promoting self-care strategies to those who always care for others. I have broken self-care down into five aspects mental, emotional, physical, spiritual and indulgence to make it easy to ensure all your self-care needs are being met. Each episode I will interview nurses and self-care gurus from around the world to help you with each aspect of your self-care. Welcome to the Happy Nurse Podcast with Elena Mullery. Hi everyone, welcome to this week's episode of the Happy Nurse Podcast. Today I am joined by Mark Bramwell. Mark's experience spans the fields of organization dynamics, employee engagement, leadership capability and interpersonal communications. As an executive coach, trainer and facilitator, master's qualified in organizational psychology, Mark has spent the last 20 years working with a diverse range of organizations and individuals. Through his work, he's observed the negative impact caused by a plethora of bullshit advice, bullshit leader practices, and bullshit communication habits. He's witnessed the destructive toll on mental health and well-being from an ever louder message that presents success as being wholly measured by an endless pursuit of more. The growing expectation that success can only be had if we forever get more, have more, and be more. In 2007, Mark created Bramwell Solutions. His aim was to break free of the corporate rat race and offer clients a genuine and authentic consulting approach, an approach free of smoke and mirrors and free of slick sales pitches to focus on offering advice and expertise that would assist organizations and their staff reach their full potential and achieve a rewarding balance between personal well-being job satisfaction and life success, to tell clients what they need to hear, not just what they wanted to hear. Welcome to the podcast, Mark. Thank you. Isn't it great that I wrote something that's so difficult to say? (laughs) (laughs) It's It's not, yeah, it, it reads really well, but yeah, I'm like, whoa, lots of big words in here. The other really good thing is to hear people say bullshit multiple times. It's fantastic. Yeah, we might just put it in there. There's going to be a lot of that word said in this episode. So um, just warning you from the start. So Mark and I initially connected a few months ago off the back of a post that I shared on LinkedIn that got quite a bit of attention around my opinion of resilience and how I don't like it as a word because I believe it has a bit of a gaslight lighting effect to it absolutely I, I i love that i read the post that you put and thought someone that has a similar perception take on this than what i do so as i do so that's why i reached out and said hey we should connect it was great and i'm so grateful that you did because you then sent me a copy of your book which i was just telling mark i devoured in two days i said it's almost like someone was reaching into my head and reading my mind in some parts <laughs> so yeah we're very alike in how we think on some of this stuff and i love how you're calling it out for what it is it is just bullshit and and okay you've got to say the title really clearly as to what it is because we're enjoying hearing you say this multiple times <laughs> yeah yeah but the title of mark's book is that's bullshit that is the title it's a constructive 
alternatives to reduce stress, achieve a more balanced perspective and rewarding outcomes. And, and it's why I liked what you posted, because I thought that you were calling out just another one of the examples of bullshit that I constantly see and that I'm tired of. This whole thing of resilience where uh, resilience, I think, is being presented too often as dig a hole, bury something and then pretend that you've got over it and life's good and all fine, which then extends into so many other negatives like toxic positivity and 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 so many other things so no I, I love the post and i'm wrapped that we're connected and that we can have this conversation and get you to say bullshit multiple times i'm quite happy saying bullshit um yeah i'm so glad that you reached out because you've taught me a lot and i really enjoyed your book and i can't wait to share it and pass it on with others excellent excellent we'll put the link to the book in the show notes for anyone who wants to check it out as well. Beautiful. So I was just saying my copy of the book's full of post-it notes, so I might just pull a few bits out and um, have a chat to you about them, if that's okay. Absolutely. So in the introduction, I love how you say that bullshit served up by so-called experts that heightens our stress and anxiety levels by creating an exhausting state of mind. The creation of this endless pursuit of more driven by what are too frequently meaningless, stress-inducing and ridiculous expectation-setting messages. A pursuit that if we're not careful will leave us feeling as though we will never have enough, achieve enough or be enough. I love that. Like, that's the introduction. And I read it and I went, oh, my God, I'm going to love this book. Because I think it is. There's this huge problem in the Western world. We all struggle with feeling like we are enough because of the constant narrative that is, like, thrown at us from all different angles about what we should be doing and could be doing and not just accepting who we are as individuals. Exactly. And I, there were so many um, motivators behind writing the book, but some of the ones that really kept sticking in my throat were the experts that were giving quotes around the whole, if you're not aiming for the stars, you're not aiming high enough. And if your dreams don't scare you, they're not big enough. And it's all orientated towards sort of this sense of whatever you're doing, whatever it is, it's not enough. And you've got to do more and more and more. And you get to a point where enough is never enough. It's it's whatever you've achieved. We're then looking, well, what extra, what more? And then there's this massive, what I think unfortunately becoming an increasingly toxic self-help industry, which is pushing that message because it's self-serving to the person pushing it of trying to convince us that, well, whatever you've got, it should be more, higher, longer, higher, more. It's just, it's exhausting. It's, it's full on. And that's why I wrote the book, I guess the first draft I wrote in anger. So then I started to try and calm it down and make it a little bit more um, reasonable. But it's pretty blunt and direct to the point because I thought that in writing it, I didn't want to be full of bullshit myself and be pretty direct and to the point of, of what's concerning me. It's certainly passionate, but I wouldn't say that the anger comes through in it at all. Because you think- didn't read the first draft. <laughs> <laughs> Well, maybe that would be interesting reading. But, I mean, that's what – it's a cathartic process writing, isn't it? You can get all your yeah. thoughts and feelings out and really – yeah, it's the same as, you know, I, I like to journal because I feel like once you get it out of your head mm. and see it on the paper, you can kind of rationalise it in a different way. So, Well, it's ironic that one of the other things that drove me to write the book was that from memory it was a, a self-help guru last year – called out to people that when they were in COVID lockdown in Europe, that if they didn't learn a language or write a book, they were failing themselves and not using their time effectively. And an Israeli-based psychologist called that out, and I won't use the words she used, but she really said, no, no way. So then ironically, in the lockdowns we had last year, I wrote a book, but it was because it it was that it was extremely cathartic for me that there were things frustrating me, and rather than just being stuck at home doing homeschooling with my children and not getting out to clients and mulling on things, I got it out. I wrote it down in a book, um, created the book, and that's where the first draft was a little bit grumpier and then I had to work to, to get the right tone but to still be true to what I wanted to achieve, to challenge people to say enough, 
step back, set goals and objectives in life that are personally rewarding and that really take you where you want to be rather than where some supposed self-proclaimed expert tells you you should be. I think it's a, a big, important difference to make. Yeah, it's a huge difference. And I posted about this just the other day, actually, because like for years and years, I thought part of my self-care is like I'm quite a spiritual person. I thought I should be doing yoga. This will be really good for me. And I pushed and pushed and tried. I hate yoga. I absolutely. And I thought, <laughs> why am I doing this? This is yeah. not self-care. This is someone else's idea of self-care. It's not aligned with exactly. me at all. So, yeah, it's about finding what works for us and not buying into the narrative of someone else's idea. It, it, absolutely. And to that real individualised consideration that we need to do for ourselves to find what works for us. That like I, I saw as a really simple tip that when people were shifting to, to working from home, that people were saying, what works to get you in the right mindset is to get dressed fully in your work attire in the morning and then jump in your car, drive around the block a couple of times, park back in the garage, and it will make you feel like you've started your work day. Now, for me personally, I just laughed at that because I was told that when I started working from a home office nearly 14 years ago now. And I know it works for some people, but for me, I really enjoy that I can stay in my tracksuit pants and not have to get in the work attire and not waste petrol driving around the block. So it's, it's got to be whatever works for you. But too many or too much advice is given as this is what must work for you. This is what is the ideal that you need to do. It takes over. It doesn't let people do what's right for them. Yeah, it's not a one-size-fits-all approach, is it? It's very individualised. And you go on to say, like I've turned to Chapter 3 now, and this was really quite startling, that as a, I don't think it's the result of, but an issue that we've got here in Australia with the suicide rate. I mean, you said in 2019, Australia alone recorded appalling numbers of suicide and suicide attempts. Each and every day, around 200 Australians attempted suicide. Well, that's a massive mental health crisis right there. Isn't it? it, it I remember reading those numbers when I first heard them, and I was, I was shocked because we, we like to have this sense, I think, that Australia has a, a wonderful culture and a wonderful environment of, of sun-drenched beaches and a beautiful, wonderful life that's the envy of the world. But scratch the surface and there's there's a lot of data that shows that, unfortunately, from a mental health perspective, it's, it's not quite so rosy and perfect. We are, as a culture, we have all those wonderful things, but we, we have a culture where we do pursue dreams very, very hard, I think, and where we, we all want to have the ideal dream of that home and two cars in the garage and have a holiday to somewhere exotic every year or whatever it might be. But the pressure of expectation that creates, there some of them, the, the horrendous facts that come through. Suicide rates are escalating, mental health issues are escalating. It's, it's really, really scary. And I think being in the pandemic that we are now, I mean, I'm in Perth and Mark's in Melbourne, you know, they're sitting in a lockdown at the moment and it's just been extended another week, Mark's just told me, just in the last 10 minutes or so. So, you know, you're still stuck in that horrible situation of lockdown over there. The whole East Coast is really, aren't Mm. you? And Mm. that's going to have a massive impact on an already (laughs) huge issue that we had. Scary. And I don't think we'll really see the full impact of of these lockdowns for weeks, months, years, that even considering from the the perspective of I've got young children, what's this doing to them for for self-esteem, for confidence, for for education, for learning? So given that we've already got a lot of very scary numbers about our mental health condition in the country, it's a pretty delicate, I think, equation where it's going to get worse and worse. Um, I, I'm certainly in favour of lockdowns and I think we we need to do things to look after our society, but the additional impacts that this is having on our mental health and still when I do things like open up LinkedIn and see that there's still a plethora of messages of experts saying, aim higher, get more. Hey, when you're in that lockdown, write that book. It's it's so much pressure and weight and, and it can't, I think, be positive. It's got to shift. It has to change, And which, again, is why I wrote the book, to try and do one small drop in the ocean of 
get people starting to shift their goals, their focus, their balance, their perspective in life and, and take a more balanced approach to, to live happier, fulfilled, but self-defined lives of, of what you feel is, is right for you personally, what will make you happy, what will um, balance your own mental health and well-being to a, a positive state. Yeah, rather than being stuck on the hamster wheel of someone else's idea. Precisely, exactly. Yeah. And yeah, I'm like you, you know, I understand why we're quite like the world's been in lockdown and we all need to do it. I'm, I'm, I'm an advocate for locking down, but it is, it's the impact it's having on our mental health. Yeah. Like that can't be denied. I've no. watched all my family back in Scotland go through it because I've been, I mean, we've been very, very lucky here in Perth. I'm very grateful to be here, but yeah, the impact that it's seen, like even my grandma, you know, she's 86 and she went through four months of never leaving the house. You know, her son dropped the newspaper in every morning, wow. but that was her only interaction with the outside world because she can't leave the house. It's scary. And then when you think that for so many, their only interactions with the outside world are through social media platforms, news platforms, whatever it may be, that aren't necessarily feeding a nice, balanced, happy, productive message, but messages that can be exhausting, contradictory, toxic. It's not good. Yeah. Don't get me started on social media. (laughs) That could (laughs) be a whole different podcast episode. Like, take me down that rabbit hole. Gosh, it's, um, yeah. Ever since I watched that Social Dilemma on Netflix, have you watched that? I have. I absolutely enjoyed that. It was fantastic. I couldn't watch it all in one sitting because it was just, I was like, whoa, this is so much to take in, especially like as parents as well, thinking that our children are growing up and going to be entering that world. And it's just, it was very, very confronting just what it's doing subconsciously. Let's bring it all back together, sort of tie it together then of so many people that are struggling mentally and struggling with self-esteem and then being hit with all these messages that, aren't messages of you're great, you're wonderful, but you could be better, you need to be better, why aren't you better? That is very, very exhausting. Yeah, it is. It's fair. And it's very negative to the psyche. Mm, mm, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, like it's soul-destroying. Yeah, it's totally soul-destroying. If you enjoy meditating or you would like to give meditation a try, Why not head on over to happynurse.com.au forward slash meditation to download my free guided meditation for stress and anxiety relief. It's 12 minutes of pure self-care. So part two of your book, you talk about identifying and removing the bullshit. So you open the the part two by saying understanding how bullshit advice and expectations have woven themselves into everyday life to create an obsessive focus on more stress-inducing pursuits, incomplete self-awareness and poor communication practices. Can you unpack that a bit more for us, please? (laughs) Just in a nutshell. (laughs) In a nutshell. Again, I I think that for me, and, and maybe in some ways it says something about my LinkedIn feed, but taking LinkedIn as an example, that just so many messages that come through that are constantly about you don't know enough, you you don't have enough, you haven't achieved enough. You, it, it's constantly this sort of enticing us that we're looking forward, but constantly looking forward at what we don't have yet, what we haven't achieved yet, and where we still need to get to. So I think that's exhausting. And then when you look at advertising so much advertising strategies are around dangling something pretty sparkling wonderful and enticing in front of you and then trying to make you feel like and if you don't have that whatever it is then you're inferior you're lesser you don't have as good taste or you're too silly to realize that it's what you need and when you get it you'll be perfectly happy yet it's a contradiction that so many of these things, you get them and it doesn't make you happier. That um, if we don't stop and balance our perspective in things and we're only ever looking forward, then it just becomes this constant, I think, an exhausting perspective and an exhausting journey through life of always looking and being told at what we don't have yet. And I think 
even the self-help industry doesn't give us a, a balanced perspective to help strengthen our, our self-awareness to then spot where we're being um, manipulated, spot where we're being fed bullshit, etc. So for me, self-awareness, it's been highlighted really well that it, it's balanced between internal awareness and external awareness. And I think the self-help industry pushes us a lot to be very internally aware what we want, what we want to have, what floats our boat, but it makes us selfish because it neglects the external self-awareness. So, yeah, but what's our impact on others and what are our actions doing to others and, and what's the reality of what we're living within in our environment? So, so that, that part that you quoted, I think it sort of encapsulates so much of what I wrote the book around to, to push people to just take a step back open their eyes, open their ears, see what's really around them, appreciate things more effectively, smell the roses, so cliche, but get balance and be more balanced. And I think we're imbalanced at the moment. Yeah, when that fog clears and you can see clearly for the first time, it's quite, it's like, I don't know, I want to use the word enlightening, but I don't know if that's the right word. But, you know, I mean, I my marriage ended five years ago. I had the typical what we all strive for you know the the beautiful home and a nice suburb mm. two cars in the driveway my husband's an oil like my ex-husband now he was an oil and gas you know earning lots of money and suddenly I found myself a single mom working part-time as a nurse you know my world mm. changed but I was actually once all that bullshit was stripped away I was actually happier than I'd been in yeah. a long time because yeah. I realized I was living someone else's utopia it wasn't mine precisely it's why I then ended up going out on my own and, and establishing Bremore solutions that I I worked for corporate organizations and I had this dream that I thought was mine but I think it was really sort of what was being sold to me and I was swallowing it where I needed to be a, a senior leader. I needed to be in charge of lots of people, not, not so I could brag and, and throw around my weight, but to feel important. And then started to see that all those things just made me more stressed. And then I got to the point where I wanted to, to start a family and, and was really worried that if I was pursuing those things and hamster on that treadmill running around, that I wouldn't be an available parent. I wouldn't be balanced. So I decided enough. So I quit all that. Uh, set up a home office and started my own business and it is the best thing I've ever done. It, it's removed all these other pieces of bullshit and messages of, of what supposed success should look and feel like. And as I've, I've written in the book that I ended up, I set a, a one singular goal or objective of what I wanted life to be measured around with my work. And it was then that basically that, that if, if I was doing well, that, if my son or daughter hurt themselves, they would come to me readily for support and nurturing and comfort. And the idea I had was that, well, if I'm happy with work and I'm enjoying my work and I'm happy in life and I'm balanced, I'll be available, I'll be approachable and I'll be happy to be approached, if that makes sense. So I'll be really well connected with my kids. So, so I found that when I worked in the corporate rat race, goals were about make more, earn more and get a fancier car and a bigger house. But now I've stepped away from all that and my goal is that, I'm happy so I can be there for my kids is, is sort of what it really simply condenses down to. And when I have that, there's so much, I wouldn't say enlightened, yes, but lighter would be sort of the slight word I'd use differently. Um, life doesn't feel as heavy. Yeah, and money can't buy that. No, it can't. It no, can't. It can't buy it. It's, um, it's just one of those things that money can't buy. I mean, we're all so busy these days you know like trying to keep up with the joneses like mm. that's another phrase you could use you know and sometimes it is the children that miss out you know they get fobbed off to after school clubs i mean i use after school clubs but i'm very very aware of how many times a week they go and i try to minimize mm. it as much as i can because you know they're only young once. Their childhoods yeah. are so precious. You can't get these years back. So, I, yeah. I know. And I, with the whole COVID and lockdowns, that I've always been trying to look at the silver linings, not to, not to be blissfully ignorant, but just to look at, but okay, what is, is there anything that's improved? And for us, one thing we've noticed is that our kids haven't used after school care at all since all this began. 
and now I'm, it, it's it's been great that it's re-challenged me to reassess even some of the goals that I'd set in my work life. And that's something I'm now endeavouring to do is that neither of my children will ever go into after-school care again. If I then take complete control of my work, and it's an advantage that my wife then is now pretty much working from home all the time, but not everyone has that luxury. I, I get that. I don't know that. And I don't want to be saying that everyone should be doing that. But I think there's always lessons to be learnt and moments to be had where you can step back and spot whether you've gotten to a rut and whether you're doing certain habits and practices that do they really need to be that or is it more within our control to change it or are we doing it because it's what's socially acceptable or someone's told us it's what we should do or or, or whatever it might be. So I, I think it's really important to constantly challenge and reassess and take steps back in life. And this is where, um, from a balanced perspective viewpoint, that I think it's always really important that we're always sure considering forward and where we're going, but take the moments to look at where we are and appreciate where we've come from and, and really get that sense of our journey, where we're going, but where we've come from and where we are right now and enjoying the moment more as well. Yeah, we tend to forget how far we've come. And it's usually yeah. in such a short period of time, you know. Yeah. Yeah. We we have all these plans for the future, but we forget to look back and see just what we've achieved, even in the recent past. I, I find a lot in my coaching work where people are so fixated on, Mark, I need help with what I haven't done yet, had achieved yet, learnt yet, finished yet. And then when you get them to just stop, take a big step back and then appreciate, but look at what you have learnt, what you have achieved, what you have done, it reinvigorates and then gets the energy levels back up to, I think, re-motivate to make you feel that, okay, I can do this and, okay, I am going where I want to go. But if we're only looking where we want to go, it's exhausting and it wears you down. You're always looking at, in a way, potentially what you're failing at or lacking or not achieving, it's negatives. Balance, balance, balance is really important. Yeah, and when we're always striving for that more and more and more, like you said, it's yeah. just reaffirming that feelings of I'm not good enough, I'm not good enough. Yeah, but take the moment to step back yeah. and realise, but, hey, I am good enough because I've just and what I achieved and where I was and where I've now got to. Uh, it, it just gets the balancing. And I, I use that word quite a bit in the book, but but just in the work that I do when I talk to people about striving for balance to spot when things are imbalanced and that's where again for me i think the plethora of bullshit advice isn't achieving balance for a lot of us it's it's achieving imbalance it's pushing that more 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 so um, I'm, I'm not wanting people to lower or not have goals and lower goals i still think people should strive to be their best but it's just balancing out between where people are telling us we need to be the best to accept that okay how about i work to be my best and the best that I will get satisfaction from. And that was a big shift that I achieved, or I'm still achieving, I'd probably say. It's a work in progress in, in my career, in my life. I thought that I had to be the top of the whatever. I thought that I had to be the best at whatever. But now I work on being the best that I can, the best consultant, the best father, the best husband, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, it's that kind of oh, I can't think of the word I'm looking for you know it's just that narrative that we're fed you know you always have to be moving up the the corporate ladder so yes. to say. and yeah. I had a stint oh it's a couple of years ago now of acting as the theatre manager at my work and I was like oh my god if this is what management's like I do not want <laughs> to do it <laughs> Yeah, this isn't for me. I'm so glad that I had the yeah. opportunity to experience that when I did because it completely changed my outlook. I was like, yeah, this isn't what I want. Even though I'm told that it should be what I'm chasing, it's not what I want and I'm not going down that path because I'll be miserable. Well, I've done work in the past mentoring uh, females in senior executive roles and in some different industries and it was intriguing that in the mentoring sessions, a lot would say that they wanted to get onto a board. And when challenged around why, they often only had answers like, oh, apparently I should be, or apparently it should be my next step. And then when you ask them, yeah, but do you want to give the time required? Do you have the time to give? Will it balance with everything else you want in life? What else do you want in life? A lot would then do a, yeah, actually, it was something pushed on me by someone else. I don't want to do that. What's the point? No. And they'd throw it away. 
and then create some other goal that was far more intrinsically connected to them. And I, and I think that's that's something that we more need to do, that look at what we think we're or should be working towards and just ask some questions, why? And I, I saw a brilliant post recently on, on LinkedIn where it was pushing about that of we should be asking more why questions rather than what questions. Why do you want to do that? Why do you think that that would be aligned to, to a happy, fulfilled life, et cetera? And, and I think if we ask more why questions, we'll come up with some better directions in life. Yeah, Simon Sinek's written a good book about that, hasn't he? If you read exactly, that, yes. exactly, yeah. Start with why. And yeah. I think we should all know our why, what motivates us and drives us, because that will lead us to fulfil our own passions and happiness rather than someone else's if we know what our why is absolutely i, I think too it's also knowing how, how why not if i can say that yeah, that yeah why not things aren't your why and and helping guide decisions but always being flexible to realize that, that things can change I, I know certainly that uh years back so when i first started in my consulting career I would never have believed that I would be where I am now. I, again, that was when I was back at a point where I thought success would be measured by me being a senior level executive in a large consulting company, flouncing around in a fancy suit and driving a flash sports car. I couldn't be furthest from that if I tried right now, I think. <laughs> and you're happy. Exactly. And I, I could not be happier. If someone offered me a sports car tomorrow, I wouldn't say no, I'll admit that. But um, I couldn't be happier with the, the decisions that I have now that I've made. That the- and that's, that's the point. Your happiness is not dependent on having these objects. You're quite happy. You would enjoy having them, but you're happy without them. Exactly. I, I had a really interesting discussion with my son actually just last week where He's, at a, he's 12, so he's at a bit of an age where he wants things. He wants to buy things, so therefore he wants us to buy things. And he, he has a good mate who apparently his parents, uh, the mate's parents, have very high-paying jobs. So uh, his friend has a lot of stuff that he doesn't. So he's constantly saying, why can't I get? Uh, and then I've had a conversation with him just to say, well, but hang on. If I worked in a role where I earned X times X times X extra money, then... I wouldn't be around as much. I wouldn't be available. I'm, I'm wrapped. I can't wait till summer starts because I'm going to finally become a, a cricket coach for my son's team. I, I can do all things like that with what I have. And I then asked him, so with his friend's parents, how often are they around? How available are they? What's the relationship like? And I won't say what the answers are, but, but just I get my son to see that the balance I've got is also really positive for him and what he gets from me. And, you know, sure, I think he'd love the idea of me driving him to school and dropping him off at school gate in a Porsche, but sorry, that's not going to happen. It's that balance. And, and it was just interesting to get him to appreciate that and, and to see that me working the way I do and the perspective and balance that I personally love is a great outcome for him as well because I'm happy. He's happy. Yeah, I think that's very empowering for children as well because it's giving them that kind of dose of reality almost of what adult life is like and we've all got these choices that we make and yeah the the consequences of them the good and the bad you know and Yeah. yeah yeah i mean yeah what's more important you know emotional wealth or financial wealth it's yeah you just you can't yeah it's different to everyone what's funny that that whether you remember from the book, there was something I wrote there where I remember years back where somebody had done a, and posted all over Facebook, uh, a goals board. And it was a board that literally, it was a picture of it and it had photos of different things for the person to be aiming towards. And I remember it had things in it like a fancy car, a diamond ring, uh, a boat to go on a cruise. And it was all such materialistic things and I remember looking at it at the time and thinking, and it's, it's what's partly come through in my book, that there was nothing of giving. It was all get and have a materialistic gain. And I looked at that and I thought, surely we are more than that, that how can we have great communities and, and support each other well and, and look after the needy and, and be giving and collaborative and empathetic if we all had goals board where it's all about getting bigger and better things. There was no give it was all get and and i think that needs to change as well yeah most definitely because when we give 
we give to ourselves as well. It makes mm. us feel good when we're contributing. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's partly why I do the podcast because I feel like I love doing it and I love having these amazing conversations with yourself and all the other wonderful guests I've had on. But I also know that I'm sharing these ideas and conversations with my nursing colleagues and hoping that yeah. they can take something from it. You know, so, you know, I get something out of giving it to them as well. Absolutely. I, and it's it's why I wrote the book. It's why I do the work yeah. that I do that. Um, obviously, it's to also pay the bills and make sure yeah. I can send my gifts to school, et cetera, but, but it's to help that what floats my boat and it's why I then got into my own business was that I do what I do because I want to make a difference. I want to really genuinely help people improve, be better, be happier, those type of things. Yeah. And this segues nicely into one of my questions. So who or what inspires you to be your best self? You can probably guess from what I've said so far, and I know it does sound a little bit um, cliche and cheesy, but it's my kids. It, it absolutely is because it, for me that if I'm loving what I'm doing and I'm enjoying it, then I know that I'm really happy and connecting with my kids. And then if I'm not doing things well and I'm not enjoying my life, then how do I be a good role model to my kids? So I really want to make sure that I'm, I'm role modelling, that I'm as best as possible. I'm not always perfect i'll have bad days as well for sure but being a really positive influence and if i can produce or help with my wife and i to produce two balanced healthy happy empathetic children who make a positive difference in society i will be wrapped so for me that's what it's all about and if and if i'm not doing things that align towards achieving that then i need to reassess them if i'm doing something that makes me unhappy or is taking me away from my family for too long whatever it is, that at the end of the day, if it doesn't align to really supporting my two children, why am I doing it? Yeah, that's an awesome answer. I'm very much I'm very much the same. You know, my kids, they drive a lot of what I do. And that is why, actually, I'll share with the listeners right now. Um, this is episode 49 that I'm recording today. After episode 50, I'm going on a six-month season break because I need to spend some quality time with the kids over the summer. So, Brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. Best thing you can do. Yeah. Yeah. I just, it takes the pressure off, you know. I thought that'll be a 50 episodes sitting there for people to listen to and I'll come back in March with the next season and I can enjoy the summer without stressing. That's what, what it's all about. I think that's where the you can look back at what you've achieved. 50, wow, that's fantastic. So I feel <laughs> great that I got to be 49. Uh, but you can value that and, and bask in that and enjoy that and then go off and take a well-earned break and enjoy and be in that moment knowing that and then I will come back and continue this and keep moving it forward. I think that, that sounds fantastic. Well done. Thank you. Yeah, it's just, I was just, I felt myself getting really stressed. And and the first thing that happens when I get in that space is I become grumpy with the kids. And I'm like, whoa, this is not cool, Elena. You know, what's happening? And that's when I, I sat down a couple of weeks ago and did a bit of an inventory of my life and was like, right, what has to change? And yeah, this was one of the decisions I made. So, I think we can all do that, though, that we don't all have the luxury of either, like, I'm, I'm lucky that I work from home and I can very much control things and that you're getting to then take six months off from doing these. But I think that um, we can all be better in the moment and make sure that when we're with our, whether it's our kids, our partner or playing sport or reading a book, whatever, that we fully immerse ourselves in that moment because worrying about something else doesn't change it in that moment either. So then all of us, I think, can take that weekend better off, to take that evening better off, whatever it is. There's smaller micro moments that I think we can all immerse ourselves in better and then step out of them feeling more refreshed. Yeah, it's about being present, isn't it? Sometimes it we're is. there, but we're not actually present. We're in our heads. So, yeah, it's about actually being present when we are physically there. So, It's one of my concerns of, of modern life that we have got so much pressure, demands, expectations, juggling so many balls in the air that too often we're physically there, but we're mentally somewhere else. 
uh, you know, we, we go from, and especially right now with, with a lot of people working from home, where they're going from Zoom meeting to Zoom meeting to Zoom meeting, that you get to the end of the day and you're absolutely exhausted. But you also look back and realise that whether it was the first minute, five minutes, half hour of every next meeting, you were still back in the previous one, trying to mentally catch up to where you're now supposed to be at, and you're doing yourself and others a disservice. So managing our time better, managing our mental focus better, I think is also something really critical we need to all improve at or, or keep working at at least. Yeah, it's definitely something. Being present is something that I'm very passionate about and I try to be very present when I am with people. Good. It's Good. something I promote. As nurses, you know, we're moving between patient to patient to patient. And like you said, you know, you go from meeting to meeting, your mind can still be elsewhere. So. Yeah. You know, I encourage nurses to take a couple of breaths between patients' rooms to actually recenter, refocus. So when they go Beautiful. into the, the next room, they are not still thinking about what happened in the previous one. Beautiful, because it, it can be as just as simple as that. A couple of breaths, a moment, an extra moment. Because you you know when you talk to people, you can tell when someone's really truly there. Or when someone's, yeah, the lights are on, but no one's home type of communication. Yeah. And it's it's disrespectful. So I think tips like that are, are, are beautiful. If, if, if you get to a point where you need to take six months and you can do it, fantastic, brilliant, do it. But otherwise, just, just appreciating those bits of advice are gold. A couple of breaths before you go into the next interaction. Perfect. Yeah. And another tip on that is when you do take those breaths, focus on your feet because it takes you out of your head and back into your body. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> there you are that's from my mindfulness training very good <laughs> so as you know the podcast is all about um self-care so that's yep. why i was really excited to have you on i realized very quickly after i launched the podcast that people associate self-care with the materialistic things we've been talking about, you know, the bubble baths, the day spas, all that, where actually there's so much more to it. And it's about that self-awareness. And I actually created a model that broke it down into five aspects, which are the mental, emotional, physical, spiritual, and this indulgence. So what would be your idea of indulgent self-care? I've got a couple and depending which I go to depends on the, the, the need for self-care or the, the mental state that needs caring. So that for me, if like, like naturally I'm more of an introvert and which a lot of people find surprising because I tend to talk a lot, but I, I find that exhausting. So that I find then that when I've run a workshop or I've done multiple coaching sessions that I need self-care, which is, is just about me and space. So the, the indulgent sort of things that I do in those sets are, or mindsets are read a book. I still love reading. So just to sit down with a good book, sit down with a, a, an episode of a favourite show, but typically it's something that it's just me and there's no one else. And it's, it's a very, in some ways it sounds selfish, but it's what I need to do to, to just recharge and to look after myself. Um, but then on the other side, that if it's more about, I'm, I can feel that I'm getting stressed and I'm getting sick of, of staring at a computer screen or, or getting agitated with another lockdown being extended, that it's more about, and again, it comes back to my kids, doing something with the kids that's physical and active. Um, I probably don't do enough of that one, but I, I loved in our summer last year that I was involved heavily with my son's cricket and just going to his cricket training and getting in the nets and bowling in the net, I forgot any worry, any concern was gone. It was it was almost like sort of a, a cathartic each time I threw the ball, I was throwing worry away or that sort of sense. But but so it depends. If 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 it's that sort of exhausted, I need self and doing something that I love. If it's a frustrated, I need to get out and do something with the kids that's physical. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love that. Thank you for sharing. Um what would be a non-negotiable in your self-care then? Um, I, I've got a lot and I, I don't want to keep on harping about my kids, but it, it, it really is though that I'm not negotiable about my values and, and the values that are then also connected to about me, my privacy, my space, my family. Um, I've only ever once 
compromised on my values and that was taking on a client that I wish in hindsight I'd never gone near. And I, I won't say about why and what, but it meant that I actually actively went out to find a client that was the complete opposite to the toxic one and who was exactly what they discriminated against so I could balance the ledger. And I've done that. And the one that balanced the ledger is now still a client. So, so I've learned, I'm, I'm very clear about what my values are, about what I believe in and what I think is right and wrong. So I won't compromise on those things. And then stemming that back to about the reason I set up my own business was so that I could make decisions about what suits me in that to not be pushed to work 50 hours a week. I'll choose if I want, if I've got a deadline and I'm happy to do that, I will. But to make sure that I always have time for my family, I always have time for me. And that's where I've, I've detailed in the book that I think work-life balance is an exceptionally personal thing. But for me, I've got a balance where I've got a balanced scorecard approach. And one aspect of that is about my personal life, my family, being available for my children and being happy to be happily available to my children. So they're the things that just are not negotiable for me. Yeah. You spoke a lot there about values. Can I just yeah. go into that a bit? Because yeah. values is something that I'm really passionate about. Yeah. And like, I believe, you know, some of this bullshit that we end up buying into is because we don't actually know what our own personal values are. Yeah. 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 I think being aware of our values and doing some work around that is key to kind of getting off the hamster wheel because it's that yeah. why again, isn't it? We're going back to that. It, it is. It is. And, and if you can't, it, it's a cliche. And, and I think this one comes from Stephen Covey, but it's about knowing the true North. And if you don't know what your North is and then what those values are, it's really hard to then make decisions in life that, that you're happy with and that, cause you joy and satisfaction other than, rather than call you, cause you stress and dissatisfaction. And at times we don't always have control over what those choices are because we, we need to work. We need to do what our employer tells us. But I think making decisions where we consciously decide to, okay, I will do that because I know it leads to, rather than just being forced to and having things out of our control. So I, I'm, I'm clear about what my north is, where I'm going, what I want, and that's where it's only once that I did something that was contradictory to the north and I worked with an organisation that discriminated against different groups that I am passionately supportive of that I fully regretted. And when I looked at it afterwards, I could admit to myself that I pursued the dollar and I regret it ever since, um, that that it was a compromise on my values and I regret it massively. You know, I, I don't lose sleep over it now, but I just mean that by making that exception, it wasn't something I was left comfortable with. It made me feel kind of dirty afterwards as well. So it's so it really, it, it just reinforced to me and it just reminds me constantly that before I do things, hang on, will this be the right thing to do? Will it, will it connect and support the community? Uh, I won't take work on that I think is destructive, detrimental to the individual um, and counter to some of the values that I have about um, respect. And, and there's some, some cliche values, of course, but respect and empathy, collaboration, do no harm, those types of things. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's so important because if we're out of alignment, that's where the anxiety creeps in. And we don't understand yeah. why we've got the yeah. anxiety, but it's because we know something's just not right and it's because we're not in alignment. Exactly, exactly. And, and it's a stressful place to be. Yeah, I've got mine stuck on a poster on the corner of my computer screen here. They're always there reminding me what they are <laughs> They're in my face. So, yeah, especially when I'm doing work online and stuff. It, it's important to do things like that just to, again, it's keep north in mind. You don't have to be staring yeah. at the compass all the time, but, but just giving a clear sense to help make decisions, to help make as best as possible the right decisions, but also, again, to know what is a wrong decision to at least avoid those. Yeah, we recently went and did um, values proposition training at work, which is the first time I've ever done that as a nurse, but I found it very insightful. I'd already done a lot of values work myself, but 
a lot of my colleagues were like, it really made them think because mm. they'd never really considered it before. So it was quite refreshing to have that brought into the workplace, especially in healthcare. I think it'd be quite ironic and, and um, contradictory that if I wasn't clear about values and where I'm going, given that I also do work with clients about their values. So I think I have to practice what I preach. And I, it, it's again, one of the, the ones that I learned early on in consulting of seeing where you know, the, the cliches of the plumber has the, the leaky pipes at home and of then seeing working with consultants in the past where they were teaching others how to be leaders and then they were less than perfect leaders themselves back in their own organisation. So I think I've, I've always been very clear to that with myself that I've got to be true to what I'm telling to people to do. I, I need to live it myself. So I, I try really passionately to do that. Not always successfully, but I try. That's me. And that's why the podcast going on a break. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I have to look after myself because I'm telling everyone else they need to as well. So yeah, yeah do what's right for me. So it's been awesome chatting to you. I don't want to take up much more of your time, Mark. And I don't want to divulge too much more of the book because I want everyone to go off and read it because I think it's such a valuable read. But is there any pieces of advice you would like to leave us with? Just get balance. I, I think it's so important that we switch on our what I call a bullshit meter and just be far more critical of what we see, what we hear, what we read. I, it astounds me the number of, of experts or just people who who make claims that no one checks and no one sort of chews on before they just swallow it. So I, I know this sounds a little bit odd, but chew more, dissect things more, be more critical, and then make sure that as we, we formulate our lives, set goals that are relevant to us, that will make us happy, that will contribute to a positive society, and that, that really... Are meaningful, personally meaningful. So anything that is an expert telling you what you should do or not do, et cetera, et cetera, just be careful. Does it really make sense? Does it pass the bullshit test? Yes or no? I love that, the bullshit test. It's brilliant. Thank you so much for sharing that. And, Pleasure. yeah, thank you for inspiring me as well. So. Pleasure, pleasure, and uh, enjoy your six-month break and the 50th one to be done. And uh, thank you very much. I've thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. It's been wonderful. Yeah, where can people find you if they want to learn more? I will put your website and stuff in the show notes. So. Website's certainly the easiest, so bramwellsolutions.com.au. Uh, the book is for sale on all good online stores, so Amazon, Booktopia, Book Depository, et cetera, or through my website. I'm not the greatest of social media users because I find a lot of it to be surprise, surprise bullshit. Um, but I am occasionally appearing on LinkedIn and liking people's comments such as yours. And I tweet really, really occasionally. So don't really look for me there, but very much my website, LinkedIn a bit. And uh, the book, as I said, online in, in most sort of online retail stores. It's one of the best books I've read recently. So, yeah. Fantastic. I Beautiful. encourage you all to read it. As do I. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for your time, Mark. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Happy Nurse Podcast. If you've enjoyed today's content and would like to join the Happy Nurse community, head over to Facebook and check out the Happy Nurse AU Facebook page and request to join the Happy Nurse community. Also, check out happynurse.com.au for access to free downloads and subscription to my blog. See you soon. And in the meantime, remember to always offer yourself the same compassion that you so freely give to others.